Accelerating your fandom, this is Flash TV Talk. Welcome to Flash TV Talk, the fan podcast dedicated to news, reviews, and more for the hit CW show, The Flash. I'm Bo. And I'm Belle. Belle, man, how you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good, my friend. How about yourself? Oh man, I am I am ecstatic. It has been, you know, we are we're right here in the middle of the week. It is it is Wednesday as we record and the the odd thing, man, is it has already been an incredible week in the geek media community. Not only did we get uh, a a you know a big time uh, reveal the the first official look at Infinity War for the uh, the upcoming Marvel's Avengers uh, uh, movie to add to the to their anthology but we got what is got to be one of the biggest nights not just nights the biggest two nights in uh, in DC if not comic book uh, television history man it it has been it has been one for the ages yes it has absolutely it's been quite a night of television this week. And uh, man, I'm I'm just ready to talk about it. Because this is a crossover event, we're going to be doing things a little bit differently. We're going to split things up. The first two episodes, we will kind of kick things off actually reviewing those. Then we'll have kind of a brief intermission brought to you, uh, you know, with kind of a special announcement during the intermission. And then uh, on the, the latter half of the podcast, we'll, uh, we'll take on the last two episodes. So that's what we're going to try to do. We're going to have the daunting super task of attempting to review four episodes in this one podcast. Bell, are you ready? Let's do this. Let's jump into The Rundown. The Rundown. Crossover episode of Season 4, Crisis on Earth X. Directed by Larry Ting, James Bamford, Dermot Downs, and Gregory Smith. And story by... Andrew Kreisberg and Mark Guggenheim. Bell, what happened in Parts 1 and 2 of Crisis on Earth X? Well, in a parallel world, Earth-X, a Nazi regime rules the planet where a dark-hooded archer known as Dark Arrow is the latest to succeed Adolf Hitler's place as Fuhrer and personally hunts American loyalists and other resistances. On Earth-1, Barry Allen and Iris West's friends, including Kara Danvers and her adoptive sister Alex from Earth-38, come to Central City for their wedding. Harry Wells, Cisco Ramon, and Caitlin Snow develop a solution to separate Firestorm Matrix from Martin Stein and Jefferson Jackson. However, Jefferson is reluctant to give up being the superhero Firestorm. Inspired by Barry's happiness with Iris, Oliver Queen reproposes to Felicity Smoke for her hand in marriage, but she is not ready to marry Oliver. During the wedding ceremony, the event is interrupted by Earth-X invaders led by Dark Arrow and his wife Overgirl. After Kara injures Overgirl during the fight, the Nazis are forced to retreat and Alex and Sarah Lance capture Dark Arrow's partner, Prometheus of Earth-X. As Dark Arrow, Overgirl, and a dark yellow speedster regroup and discuss their next step, Dark Arrow and Overgirl unmask themselves, and they are revealed to be parallel universe doppelgangers of Oliver and Kara, and the yellow speedster reveals himself as Eobard Thawne slash the Reverse Flash, Barry's nemesis who is thought to be erased from existence by Black Flash. In the next episode, in Star Labs, Prometheus of Earth-X is revealed to be a doppelganger of Oliver's deceased friend, Tommy Merlin, and commits suicide by cyanide pill out of loyalty to the Nazi regime. Harry reveals that through his exploration of the multiverse, he discovered Earth-X is a dystopian world where World War II was not won by the Allied forces. Dark Arrow, Overgirl, and Thawne steal a power source known as the Prism from a research company. The heroes believe that Dark Arrow seeks to build a neutron bomb with it. After a series of battles, most of the heroes are captured. Oliver's team, along with Harry, Caitlin, Sisko, and Mick Rory, are in captivity in Star Labs after the Nazi forces infiltrated. And Oliver, Barry, Sarah, Stein, Jefferson, Kara, and Alex are transported to a concentration camp on Earth-X, while Kara is moved to Star Labs. 
The villains reveal that Overgirl is dying and Dark Arrow plans to use the prism to create artificial red sunlight that can weaken the two Kara's invulnerability, allowing a heart transplant for Overgirl, but killing Kara in the process. Dun, dun, dun. All right. So, man, they got they got everybody. I mean, like this is just the first half, but even in the first half, they got almost everybody. I know. Right. Like that was. I mean, it's it was, it was sort of crazy because, you know, you're watching an episode of Supergirl, but it's Barry and Iris's wedding. Yeah. And <laughs> say that. Yes. Yeah. OK. OK. So this is this is the thing, right? Like overall, this right here, man, this crossover event was everything I wanted. Like last year, like my biggest criticism is how disjointed everything felt. And I, I said back then and I was not alone. I know there were a lot of voices out there that kind of echoed this. But the reality is, is like when you've got this much time, why not stretch it out, make a like a, a big movie essentially out of it? And that's just what they did, man. Supergirl didn't feel like Supergirl. Arrow didn't feel like Arrow. Flash didn't feel like Flash. And Legends didn't feel like Legends. Like everything was just mashed together in such a beautiful, beautiful way. It worked flawlessly. Yeah, you know, mashed together, it sounds like a negative kind of thing, but that's really what, what's going on. But it just works so well in this in this instance. It's yes. you know, it's one of those things where it's it's like, you know, how are they gonna do this and make it feel cohesive and 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 wonderful? And they did that. They did exactly that. And it was it was just, you know, phenomenal to see them learn from not necessarily mistakes of last season, but to to really finally no, fully it, involve that's that's fine. Look, I mean, you're right. Maybe mistakes is too hard, but you're exactly right. They learned about they learned over there at DCTV. Uh, what, did. what didn't work last year that well? Like Dominators was really interesting for people that were really into the Dominators comic, but for everybody else, there is nothing personal about the Dominators. That was a really weird villain to have that you didn't really care a whole lot about what was going on with. And then on top of that, like, you know, every single episode felt weird. Supergirl was really just Supergirl until Cisco popped up. Uh, and then you had the Arrow anniversary episode that just, you know, was plowed right in the middle of it that kind of completely disconnected the rest of the story. And it was just, it was a mess last year. Here, this thing is a thing of beauty. And, you know, the the fact that, as you said, Bell, like, even though it's a, quote, Supergirl episode, we're celebrating the Flash's wedding, like, just shows the weight to which they are going to lean in every single episode, not on that title character, but on the events that are taking place. The story is what's driving us. The characters as a whole is what's driving us. And it's the universe, or in this case, the multiverse, uh, which is really spotlighted and done so in such a great way. All right. So as we dive into this, I want to just make sure I make this kind of clear. There are way too many characters for us to be able to go through every single one storyline. So us being the Flash TV Talk podcast, we're going to look at this crossover specifically through the lens of uh, our characters, of of Flash-related characters. Now, that being said, we're going to talk about some others here and there as it relates to the plot line and everything else. But for the most part, like we're going to do our process in our way about our characters. But you know what? There may be opportunities in the very near future to actually dig into some of these other characters, this crossover event, DC TV as a whole, in a much larger way. And um, so I'll just kind of tease that for the moment. Uh, but yeah, so that being said, you want to talk about that wedding? Uh, you mean the wedding that was crashed by Nazis? Yeah, yeah, that, that would be um, that would be the one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's funny, though, that you would pick the one place where literally almost all the superheroes in the multiverse are gathered to attack. But, uh, you know, that's the boldness of Nazis for you. <laughs> well, you know, that that was that was kind of their goal, it seems like, is to kind of get them all together and, um, you know, get I guess get Kara off her own Earth, because uh, it does seem like that's, you know, that is who they wanted. 
Uh, and, and, you know, it's interesting that they would go to Earth One in order to get her instead of, you know, her, her own. But, uh, but no, this is, this is such a great excuse, right? Like, you know, during the crossover events, kind of having that moment for everybody to kind of, you know, uh, have that reunion-esque thing going on. And Barry and Iris's wedding is so perfect, man, because they are like, they are the super couple, right? Like, they are the, the embodiment of love that all these other characters, like, aspire to, to some extent. Well, they are the Flash, right? Oh, when you say that, it makes some people angry. <laughs> well, you know what? That that's that's you know to each their own, I suppose. But uh, but yeah, you know, that, yeah, you're you're right. They embody that that comic book, you know, perfect relationship kind of thing. And you know, it, it, up until the Nazis showed up, it was a pretty awesome wedding. It was a beautiful wedding. I liked the kind of pre, you know, the 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 beforehand and everybody's getting ready. Um, you know, I I, I loved Joe's toast. It was beautiful. Um, you know, there was just, it felt like the right kind of holiday moment, uh, you know, just coming off of Thanksgiving and being around a lot of family and friends. And as we're going into the holiday season, the flash in particular has always done, uh, the holidays well, and kind of, you know, giving that, uh, even, even when there is kind of some, some dark things going on, giving kind of a sense of like specialness around the holidays. And this kind of continued that on. Um, now Bell, correct me if I'm wrong, but was the wedding coordinator also their, their therapist? Ah, uh, you know, I I I was so busy live tweeting that I I missed some finite details of, okay. of the first I, two shows. I could be wrong. Y'all y'all correct me if I'm wrong on that. But like, I think the when you know she's like brideside or groomside, and he's like, well, I tried to kill the groom a couple times, so I'm gonna go with brideside. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I wasn't looking at, at her. I was looking at Mick just because you know I was expecting him maybe to like kill I'll, someone. Dude, Mick sitting <laughs> with so Sing, good. holy, that was great, man. Because it's like, didn't Sing actually lock him up at one point? I think so. I, I yeah, I, I want to say they uh, did, didn't. They, did they come into the police station and like mess it up or something? It I don't know. Had they, to have they, been. But I mean, like, like Sing is gonna know who that is, right? Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. And uh, uh, you know, friend of the show, Patrick Sabangi, actually uh, uh, liked our tweet. I tweeted out, "Fear the beard." Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, no, yeah. Whenever, whenever we put out the fear the beard, Sabangi's all all over that. He, he's a he's oh, a yeah. fan. Uh, but yeah, no man, like that that was great. So I loved that. Thought it was interesting actually that uh, Sabangi and his fiance or husband did they get married? Did Barry have a shorter engagement period? Than Captain Singh? I can't recall. Like, I remember they were engaged, but then I thought they got married, but I couldn't remember exactly what happened. Uh, so I, I did think it was interesting that uh, that Singh would be sitting on the, the bride side, or the, uh, the groom side. No, wait, the bride side. Well, I guess that makes um, sense. No, because he'd be closer to Joe and it's Joe's daughter. Yeah, yeah. Wait, what's groom side and bride side when they're two siblings getting married? <laughs> they're not siblings. They're kind of siblings. They're kind of siblings. And kind of siblings <laughs> and siblings, there's <laughs> there's a big gap in between there, right? And it's the word kind of. <laughs> yeah, no, that kind of is is very important when uh, we go into this. I mean, you know, it's it's not it's not as weird as you know, it, you know, it, it it could could be. I suppose. I mean, there's no there's no blood relation there. It, it's kind of like you know, if you grew up with a best friend and you're always over at their house. And uh, then their dad just decided to adopt you. Yeah, no, it's it's fine. It's fine. And, you know, you, you get a lot of these couples that get married and they like, you know, they knew each other since they were, you know, little kids and that kind of thing. It's it's not as weird as it, it kind of is. But one way or the other, beautiful wedding, big moment in the midst of this wedding. Uh, Barry's getting ready and uh, this, this young waitress, I suppose, comes up to him and offers him a, a drink of water. And, you know, this this young girl who's looking up at him with kind of uh, uh, stars in her eyes. And you're kind of like, oh, this is interesting. This girl's like, really? Does she know he's the Flash? And then let me ask you this, Belt. When you were watching that scene, did anything, did, did, did your wheels start turning at all about what was going on there? I was looking at her going like, why is she looking at 
Barry like he's just this, you know, like she's got eyes for him, you know, it, it, but it, it looked more like admiration than it did, you know, like dreamy eyes kind of thing, you know? Well, yeah, that's the thing. I was like, I was like, all right, so she, she seems, she's fangirling out to some extent, right? Like there is something yeah. like clearly she's got a secret. Clearly it, she may not, she's not supposed to be here. Um, she's looking up to him in like this really special way. She seems very invested in this wedding going well. And then all of a sudden it hit me. I was like, oh my gosh, it's Dawn. It's his daughter. That's his daughter from the future who came back here to attend her parents' wedding. And then, you know, I was just like, I was just brain blown. <laughs> I was, dude, Would you say that it dawned on you? It dawned on me. Yes, yes. Hey-o. Uh Dawn, of course, one of the Tornado Twins, her brother Don, uh, Don and Dawn, Dawn. Yes, that was that's actually their names. Uh, and uh, and yeah, they uh, they would go on. And, you know, with that kind of future as Barry's kind of experiencing all time, he says, looks like we're going to need more diapers. Uh, theoretically, he's talking about discovering that they're not that he and Iris at some point, you know, are not just having one baby, but in fact, two that they've got twins on the way. And so, uh, yeah, man, she's also the aunt of Bart Allen, who would uh, go on to be the, the, fl- the flash from the future. And so, yeah, anyway, it's a very throwaway. She just pops up for this one scene. I thought that maybe she might be back in for the final battle and, you know, may play more of a role, but this actually carries a bit of tradition in terms of crossover because Bell, I don't know if you recall this or not, but I want to say it was the first arrow flash crossover that Oliver first meets his son that no one knew at the time, but many people uh, speculated to be uh, Connor. Now, of course, this is not Connor. They ended up kind of creating this character and going in a different route with them. They may do the same thing with Dawn. Maybe this this young lady is not Dawn. Maybe she actually has a, a different uh, name, and and you know maybe she's not a twin. They they could take her character in a very different direction. However. This is kind of carrying on that tradition of, oh, by the way, here is a major lore plot point that we're not going to pay off in the slightest. We're just going to put it out there. <laughs> you experienced it. The, you know, the, 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 the casuals don't know, but the fans know. Like, that's what's going on right now. Yeah, you know, it's definitely out there for them to kind of play around with it. It's like, okay, so we have this character introduced. People caught on to it. They liked it. That's, that, that means that's something that we may want to, you know, investigate in the future, or maybe they already have plans. We don't know. But again, it could be like you said, uh, with Connor, how they kind of change that around. Uh, you know, we won't know, we won't know until, you know, I guess we see her again. And, but yeah, it, it's out there, it's established. And, uh, clearly she's a speedster or she has some sort of time travel, you know, capabilities to be able to go see her father's wedding yeah. before she's even conceived. So yeah, I don't know. It, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with that. Yeah. Now, man, I'm, 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 I'm excited. I, I really, man, that, that really, uh, there were so many different hype moments throughout, uh, the entire crossover event, but that was definitely top tier for me. Another thing, man, is that the team flash, uh, they, they're all, it's it's nice to see them kind of engaging outside of their own team. You know what I mean? Like seeing, for example, Caitlin and Mick kind of hit it off. Sort of, not really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fire and ice, man. It's a it's a tale of ice and fire right there. C plus M equals, I don't know. Yeah, uh, probably probably devastation. I can actually see. <laughs> I could see not not Caitlin, but I could see Killer Frost and Mick as a very interesting couple, a very explosive couple. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, the fact that, of course, Captain Cold has been, you know, uh, Mick has been dealing with with the loss of Captain Cold and his buddy and everything. And, you know, I, I do wonder if when he sees Caitlin and, and he learns about Killer Frost, if he's not like, oh, new friend, new friend. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> like, maybe she right. could be and, my buddy. 
Yeah, yeah, that that would be that would be an interesting sort of. I mean, granted, you know, it, it's it's probably not going to happen since they're on two different shows that only cross over once a year. But it could there could be an interesting dynamic there in the future. I liked it, man. Um, her her Killer Frost moments throughout were were epic. You know, I like the fact that she's. You know, she's she's just made her peace about it. We've made the comparison to the Tyler Durden thing, and and with there being very much a Fight Club uh, uh, role that Killer Frost plays uh, to Caitlyn. You know, even when she transforms, and she's like, "Where does she get her dresses?" Like immediately, this mental takeover of this kind of alternate personality, essentially, that is completely wanting to divorce herself from you know who who she really is, so to speak. Yeah, right. It's 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 kind of funny how that's always the thing that she remarks on is how Caitlyn dresses versus how she dresses. Uh, it's like the first thing that comes out of her mouth is like, oh, I got to change clothes. <laughs> <laughs> we also, you know, of course, with it being Barry's wedding, uh, Wally is back in town. We got a tease of, of him after uh, conquering Starro with nobody else's help, by the way. And they, they just don't they don't even mention that, you know, it's just, oh, yeah, it's Starro, whatever. I beat the Justice League's, you know, first real big enemy and uh, without any help but you know whatever I'm dude just, if i'm, I'm wally just... i'm like i'm kind of ticked right because like it what was it it was either part one or part two but but everybody's getting themselves together and barry's like go 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 pick up groceries or whatever it is to, he tells wally to do and uh and wally's like no come on man they're just they're just nazis this is fine giant killer starfish from space i handled that one by myself nobody else was there for that <laughs> i'm pretty I sure know, i maybe, can maybe help with the nazis some, maybe there's some teen titans over there and oh, uh that's true i didn't think about that yeah yeah it could be that would actually be kind of cool if uh if, mm-hmm. if he has kind of established kind of a titan uh team off like that would be something wally would do he's gonna do all the big stuff off screen uh wally <laughs> yeah. he's gonna he's gonna create the teen titans he's gonna he's gonna face dark side stop blackest night yeah yeah that's right blackest night <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He's uh, in, you know, while he's at it, he's just gonna jumpstart the Green Lantern Corps as well, and it'll be uh, it'll be fine. That's just what Wally does. Yeah, he'll be a Blue Lantern, you know, and then he'll be like, you know, hey, this whole Lantern thing's pretty cool. Why don't I start one of those? Yeah, he's just gonna do it all. He's gonna do it all, and it's all gonna happen off screen. Uh, but anyway, unfortunately, Wally doesn't get too much screen time. He does get to uh to fight a bit, and he is part of the the big uh throwdown at the church, which was interesting because you know this was this was a lot of heroes being heroes out of costume. Yes. And they had one throwaway line to kind of, you know, deal with that because uh, thanks to Legends, we have the little, you know, mind erasing beam. And so Mick just went around mind erasing everybody. <laughs> why, so, why would you give a supervillain that ability? Why would you put him in charge of like erasing people's memory? I mean, he's not really a supervillain at this point, but I mean, if you're going to give it to anybody, I'd give it to Mick because he's not going to have a lot of discretion in that field, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do suppose that, uh, you know, if, if he's sitting next to Captain Singh and, and nothing's happening, then what, what you got to do? Uh, man. All right. So we also got in the midst of all that uh, Supergirl who does come back over, um, you know, during the rehearsal dinner. Barry asks her to use her singing voice and she actually sings the the song that he used to engage or to uh, to ask uh, Iris to marry him. The all I want to do is run back home to you. I mean, it was beautiful. I thought she's got some pipes, man. I mean, we already knew this, but it's beautiful. Yeah, she does. And that was a real nice touch. Uh, adding the, the the song that he proposed to her as the that was the, the walking down the aisle song, right? Yeah. I, I got to yeah. tell you, I was a little hurt when uh, when it when Cara was like, yeah, I may not go. I like come on she, he's like your little brother i know right he brought you ice cream and you were super happy about it a lot of these characters have such great relationships and it's kind of hard to even like compare but but the the dynamic between barry and Kara is one of my favorite things about 
the multiverse. Oh, yeah. There's just so much just glee between the two and they're on screen together. Cisco. Cisco, I believe, was kind of in best man role. Or was Joe best man? I couldn't quite figure that out. Well, for a second, I thought it was Oliver. And then I was like, wait, I don't think it's Oliver. No, but it is Oliver. Well, eventually. But he wasn't for the for the actual ceremony, right? I, I don't remember. I, I mean, it's a it's a small thing. I think it's Cisco. I, I'd have to look. Who was standing to uh, to Barry's left? I think it's Cisco. It, it, if I was, I mean, I, if I was Cisco, I'd be a little ticked off if, you know, oh, Oliver gets to be it. Like the guy that pops oh, yeah. up once a year. But whereas I'm here like all the time. Also, you killed my brother while we're at this. Why? Why is he getting? <laughs> <laughs> why? Why is he the one? Why is he the one? That'd, that's true. That'd that's be true. What, what I would say if I was him. But no, I guess I guess Joe had to to walk uh, uh, walk Iris down, right? Or did she? Was she walked down the aisle? Yeah, I thought she was. Okay, again, Joe, live tweeting. So you yeah, know. that's that's the thing. That's the trade off. Whenever you live tweet this stuff, is you don't get to be able to like just study it. But one way or the other, man. So Cisco has found himself in in a unique position with this scenario because all of a sudden, Vibe is the most powerful character in the entire multiverse. Yeah, right. Because when you, your enemies are coming from another Earth, and you have a character with the ability to summon portals to other Earths. And yeah, it's, it's like that, that's, that's somebody you're going to have to take care of because otherwise your plans are all for naught when he just, you know, bloops you back to where you came from. Exactly. It's like, it's like if, uh, if, if an alien evasion came to, came to the planet and they happen to use like seafaring life from their home planet as like weapons of mass destruction, Aquaman is like, sweet, I got this. You are <laughs> right? all making fun of me. You're all over here talking about my orange shirt and wish that I was Khal Drogo, but no, no, Aquaman's going to save the day. Same deal. Vibe all of a sudden is the one that's like, oh, you know what? I got this taken care of immediately, which by the way, that one, one, two role that he did there, uh, uh, one, two hit with Oliver was awesome. Yeah, that was pretty cool. But no, he's got the power, literally. And un- because of that, uh, unfortunately, he got, what, hit by a brick and then he's out for three episodes? Uh, Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, he was in the pipeline for a minute, too, so. That's what I'm saying, man. He was, he was like, I-, I kept on thinking, like, oh, wait, where's Vibe? Vibe could fix this immediately. Oh, I guess that's why he's unconscious right now. <laughs> yeah. They need to have, uh, and, and again, I missed that live tweeting, because the next time I saw him, it's like, it's at this wedding, and I was like, why isn't he... You know, I saw him do the thing with Oliver, and then I was like, why isn't he, you know, just blooping all these dudes back? And the next thing I see him, he's in the pipeline. And yep. I was like, oh, well, I mean, you, you got to do something with that. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Harrison Wells, uh, Harry, uh, plays a pr- pretty active role. Actually, I loved the scene when they were all at the computers. Like, what was it? It was Harry, Caitlin, Iris, uh, Felicity, and then Mick was like just throwing bottles at him or something like that. <laughs> yeah they were i was hoping they didn't do anything like you know the what is it, one of those cis shows there's a meme about it called two idiots one keyboard where they're both <laughs> typing on the same keyboard trying to like hack faster than the hacker i'm so glad they didn't do that yeah that would have been, been very disappointed uh, in all fairness i do think all their monitors were pretty much showing the exact same thing but uh but yeah no point taken no but uh Har- harrison man he he gets to a chance to play a pretty active role um, I'm trying to recall last year during the Dominators event, Harry was not on Earth. He we were dealing with at that point HR. Yes. So this is Harrison's first time really dealing with a crossover event. Yeah. I think so. I mean, he played a fairly significant role. You know, he and also Supergirl's sister Alex, and I think 
I think they're the only two that come to mind. Like there are kind of two non-heroic people that are in the midst of this and and still playing a pretty active role. You know what I mean? Like even when uh, when the team is all getting together and it's like, okay, we're going to stand united. um, It's all of these heroes and then this one guy in glasses and then this one girl in a in a you know black jacket. Yeah, but I mean, Alex, you know, she's got all that training and stuff, so she's kind of a uh, uh, Sarah. Oh, yeah. No, she can hold her own. I don't mean to imply that she can't. Um, and I mean, like, you know, same thing's true with Felicity and Iris. And, and you know, there's a lot of ancillary characters that are not necessarily empowered uh, from a super standpoint. Uh, but at the same time, yeah, there is there is kind of like a, you know what it is? They don't have aliases. Yeah, yeah. You, you got to have you got to have a superhero name if you're going to, you know. I mean, you could phone it in like Ray, but everybody else like, you know, you got to you got to have a. Got to have a gimmick. <laughs> Everybody's got to have a gimmick now. Okay, so you know I mentioned earlier that when we get a chance to see Dawn, that was like my big hype out moment. Yeah, the second one and the big one. I mean, this is this is right up there. These are the two things: Dawn Allen and H.G. Thon, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> he's back he's back i told you so i told you so i i, I told you so i told you so <laughs> yeah but you didn't you didn't nah, i died i did call it i mean like I you, totally just, you know all the time every single chance there was a chance to call it i called it what are you talking about man i always said it was eobard thon that's that's like you know that's like saying hey you know i'll i'll, I'll bet that uh, uh, something's going to happen in this particular way, and then it happens in a completely unrelated way to whatever, and then you're saying that you called it. It's like, no. Yes, that's what I do. Thank you very much uh, for acknowledging that. I think that's a beautiful way of putting that. <laughs> so, but but yeah, it, it's like, you know, I'll bet this car is going to drive 100 miles and then explode, and instead it falls through like 30,000 feet, hits the ground, <laughs> and then explodes. It's it's like, you know, it's sure it exploded, but like the, the means by which you got there were completely different from what you predicted. Eobard Thon is back. It is confirmed. He is the OG Eobard, uh, uh, H, uh, quote, H.G. Eobard, all that kind of good stuff. And uh, man, you know, it is it's interesting because we're dealing with on Earth X. Um, it is a very different universe. Characters exist on Earth X that don't necessarily exist on Earth one so far as we know. Uh, and actually, I guess to some extent, Kara... I think actually Harrison Wells, I believe it was, mentioned the fact that, you know, there are 52 Karas, you know, that, that theoretically on Earth One or in, in the universe of Earth One, Kara Zarel actually does exist, but she may exist on a Krypton that never blew up. Right, right. And that's what I was, you know, uh, tweeting out about uh, was, you know, where is this Earth One Kara? And, and it's, yeah. And I, I want to say someone responded. They said, well, you know, their thought is that on uh, Earth One, in the Earth One universe, uh, Krypton never exploded, so she's probably still up there. Yeah, I uh, mean, the way I've always seen Earth One is that it is a universe in which Krypton never exploded, and Batman's like, and uh, the Batman's parents never got shot. So, from that standpoint, the characters of, say, Bruce Wayne. Well, we actually we do at this point know that Bruce Wayne exists in universe, but I don't think he's Batman. I think that he exists there, but he but he's not Batman. And I think that Kal El exists, but he is on Krypton, which has never exploded. That's my theory on on the way that you know the 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 world that is Earth One exists. Yeah, which that by makes the sense. way could make for a really interesting crossover next year if for the first time they actually go over to Kara's Earth 
And not only do we get a, a, a Superman, we also get a Batman. Like maybe they can give her a Batman. And then we get more of a fully formed Justice League on, on her planet. That could be interesting, but I I don't see it happening. No, I mean it's it's, but it is possible. And you know, gosh, after after this, I mean, I mean, I know that you know, Crisis is on Earth X, but Crisis, right? Like, what if for for a future crossover event, they do a full Crisis where they actually pull even characters not related to this multiverse as it stands? Maybe because you know, we get we know that Black Lightning is about to come out. That's going to exist on a separate Earth altogether. We know that Gotham, you know, isn't necessarily directly tied, but what if they actually pulled in some of the characters from Gotham? What if they pulled in some of the characters from shows that have been canceled? What if we actually get Tom Welling as Superman uh, pulled in, specifically the Smallville version through uh, through Elseworlds means and the multiverse and everything else, and some sort of, you know, crisis on infinite Earths? Make the, uh, you know, the, the Anti-Monitor actually the villain next time. See, that would be interesting uh, if, if they wanted to do something like that because I have all these Earths set up and uh, it, it's kind of convenient to explain why Supergirl just doesn't show up and or, or Superman for that matter and just solve all the problems all the time because they're basically gods. Um, but it, it would be kind of neat to see them sort of condense those universes down to – like 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 in a crisis event, right? So it's oh, the multiverse is is is, is fr- uh, fracturing. So we got to do these things, and maybe they get rid of some characters or some shows that aren't doing as well, and you know introduce some other stuff. And uh, you know it's kind of an opportunity, not necessarily reboot their universe, but refresh it. You know, I, yeah. that that could be that could be neat to see. Could could be interesting. Could be interesting. I mean, we know at some point those skies are going red, and Flash is going to disappear. So. Who knows? Who knows? That is true. Um, Speaking of red skies, you know, when we do kind of finish off uh, the second part and we're actually on Earth X, we do see that Earth X actually has red skies. Do you think that's related or you think that's just, hey, look, this is makes it look even more Nazi. Uh, A bit of both. Bit of both. I mean, you know, on the one hand, you're right. It it does just make it look more Nazi. But, you know, the fact that here's the thing that kind of trips me up about the name. So they say there are 52 Earths. Like that's the the theory that they're going off of. But then Harry kind of throws a monkey wrench in that saying, actually there's 53 and this one's called Earth X. Well, why would it be called Earth X instead of Earth 53? You see what I'm saying? Like, and what does Earth 10 think about that? If I was Earth 10, I would be a little offended, right? Well, not only that, I thought at one point Harry said that there were infinite multiverses. Hmm. Because wouldn't some of the when they're trying to find replacements for Harry, the yes, yes. here's from Earth 1294 or whatever. That's right. So he said that at one like so it, it's possible that at some point the multiverse theory has changed. Obviously, we've got different writers, so there's different schools of thought from or a creative standpoint. Perhaps yeah. that there's infinite universes, but there's only 53 Earths, hmm. which would make sense because if there's an infinite universe, then there should be an Earths. Okay, interesting. So all right, I, I like I like I like the idea more that it's a a true multiverse where it is infinite um that being said though if the idea is that this earth is different from all the others the red skies could mean something in in that capacity the other thing to consider too is that uh the dark arrow may have actually like torched the sun he may have figured out a way to turn earth's sun red in an attempt to keep kara alive interesting you know they talked about the fact that she soaked up too much sun and so ideally, the more yellow sun that she's exposed to over time, the more damaging it does to her cells. Kind of almost reminded me of, um, oh, what was the what was the Superman story? Uh, it was a comic book story. Whatever oh, it was ha- All-Star Superman. Was it All-Star Superman? I thought it was Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow. Uh, All-Star Superman's the one where he saves the astronauts like in the sun yes, at the very okay. beginning. That's the yeah. one. That is definitely the one. 
So yeah, it, it kind of reminded me of that, especially with kind of you know the way that she you know exploded essentially and kind of turned into sunlight. Uh, although she dispersed, whereas you know our our all star Superman uh, actually reignited the sun essentially. Yeah, he's still in there chilling. He's making stuff with hammers and such. Yeah, exactly. So there you go. Uh, those are, I think, I, I think, and I could be wrong, but that that's the primary uh, stories that were attached to our characters, uh, to Flash characters specifically in, in the first half. Yes. Am I forgetting anybody? Uh, I mean, specific to Flash? Yeah, because that's the thing, right? I'm, I'm trying to think specific to Flash. Well, okay, so there wasn't a Jesse. I don't know why she didn't show up. I guess she wasn't invited or she's too busy being <laughs> I know. Well, they had they had so many so many characters that in the mix. I mean, like, you know, it, it even gets even more in the second half. Oh yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Um let's see. Oh, uh Ralph <laughs> Ralph wasn't invited to the wedding. Ralph never showed up once. Good. Good. <laughs> I kinda thought you'd say that, but uh still, you know, like uh, you know, Barry's being all buddy buddy with him, and he's like, "Hey, I want to, I want to heal your heart, but you can't come to my <laughs> wedding because you're a pervert." Yes. <laughs> Actually, I think they, I think they released a statement saying that Ralph has been relieved to, of his job due to allegations uh, that have. <laughs> Holy crap! That'd be hilarious. Well, uh, but no, I did. Ralph was noticeably not there. Um, kind of surprised actually that Jay wasn't there either. Jay Garrick. Yeah, where is Jay? I, I want to imagine it's on Earth three. Just chilling. Well, you know, I want to. You know, he's fighting bad guys. He's got blimps up there. He's he's doing stuff. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you gotta like you know, zeppelins are inherently dangerous. So I'm sure there's a lot of you know work saving people from zeppelins. And as we wrap up, kind of the the part two, um, we we've talked about our flash characters, but in, any big standouts uh, beyond kind of outside of our realm that really that you enjoyed? I'll talk about this in the second half, but uh, Doctor Stein and Jefferson. Man, yeah, yeah. I mean, they obviously their 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 story kind of comes in more in the second half, but uh, those were two characters I never really cared about. They made me care about them in a big way. Uh, oh, yeah. Alex, uh, you know, Alex and Laurel, or not Laurel, sorry, and Sarah. Yeah, that was a <laughs> kind of saw that one coming. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, because Sarah, you know, she <laughs> Sarah ne- ne- never met a a timeline or an Earth where she wasn't able to make a love connection instantly. True. And, uh, and man, Alex, uh, I didn't realize that, you know, th- part of the problem is that I have not up to date on the rest of the shows. And last time I tuned in on Supergirl, Alex and Maggie were a thing. So I was not aware that that fell apart. I saw some stuff on Twitter here and there. So I knew that, that, uh, their stuff was on the rocks or whatever, but, uh, but yeah, I, I totally, when I saw that and I was like, okay, well, Sarah's going to be in town. So, uh, that's going to happen. <laughs> I, you know, it's one of these deals where it's like, when that was going down, I was like, come on, Sarah. Like, she's like, she just been through a relationship. She's vulnerable, but also you're kind of a killer and an assassin. So whatever. I can't hold you to a moral high ground here. <laughs> I know. Right. <laughs> there's, there's nothing like that, but they, they actually do make a pretty good team. Uh, it's, it's a shame that they are uh, worlds apart. Let's see uh, other other kind of standout moments from the first half. Uh, I was I was grossed out by uh, Oliver and Supergirl. They got no chemistry. <laughs> they got they got nothing. I don't know. When now, it, do you think that's because that was like Dark Arrow and Overgirl and not Oliver Queen and Kara Danvers? I guess I guess that's part of it. And then the other part of it is just that like those two characters. No, no, man. Like, nah. 
Oliver and Supergirl? Well, I mean... I, I just I thought it was funny when uh, Supergirl was like, ooh, or gross, or whatever it was she said. I just remember whatever she said echoed exactly what I said when I found out about it. <laughs> Interesting that Oliver would be the Fuhrer of Earth-X. Like, you'd think that Overgirl would actually be kind of the, the, the leader. Well, I mean, Oliver's always had that kind of like leadership tenacity about him, I guess. And, and Supergirl's more like an inspirational kind of thing, maybe. And yeah. maybe Oliver... That's exactly right. So she would be the leader, the inspirational leader, and Oliver would be the general as opposed to the other way around. Oh, I guess that makes sense. I don't know. That's kind of the way that I saw it. Um, I liked, you know, it, it, it's funny because Eobard, um, he's clearly waiting this this out. You know what I mean? Like, and we'll, we'll talk more about that later, but he's clearly in the midst of waiting this out as he's on Earth X and, you know, part of it, he's, he's you know, he's wearing the badge and everything else. He's part of this uh, this dark trio. I, I could never quite figure out where he, his head was at. Yeah. I, I felt like this was just maybe, maybe it's uh virtue of how he came back is like, this is where he wound up. So it's like, I'm going to make the best of a bad situation and just could go be. along with it for a minute. Tommy Merlin. Oh my gosh. Where did this kid come from? Uh, the dead. Yeah. And back to the dead. <laughs> that was, well, yeah, it's like, it's like, nope, I'm not staying on this series any longer. <laughs> Man, Tommy. Yeah, that was, uh, I did not see that coming at all. Yeah, that was, that was pretty neat seeing him. I was wondering who that was going to be. And then I was like, oh, wow, it's Tommy. Well, I knew there was a Prometheus storyline on, on Arrow, but I never knew who he was. Was, was Tommy Prometheus over there too? I have no idea. Surely not. I feel like I would have known that. But I don't know. Yeah. So yeah. So but uh, that 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 Tommy man that was that was great. Um, kind of surprised we didn't actually see a doppelganger for Laurel uh, in the midst of all this. I mean, there's just so many. No, so I know, many. I know. I mean, it, it is kind of you know even when you get kind of top tier characters that show up for like two seconds, you can't really complain when uh, when, when others don't don't get a chance to make a cameo. But um, yeah. that's kind of the first half. Uh, any any other kind of final thoughts about the first half before we we move on? Man, it was super fun, and I had a you know great time live tweeting it, and I, I just really want to rewatch everything again just so I can kind of super absorb everything, you know. All right, man. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I think it's going to be definitely one to to watch over again. It's it's one that works front to back. I was fortunate enough to actually watch these two episodes for the first time uh, almost right before watching the the second half, and so it was a blast. And uh, especially that first episode, the wedding sequence and everything that was going on around that, it contained some of my favorite moments in the entire universe. So, uh, bravo yeah. to the first half. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll dive into the second half right after this. It began with the forging of the great podcasts. One was given to the Flash TV Talk, the other to Supergirl TV Talk, and eventually Legends, iZombie, and the Lords of Starkville. But there was one podcast forged in secret. From the creators of Flash and Supergirl TV Talk, there's a new show in town, Tolkien TV Talk, the podcast where three hobbits get hyped and bring you all the news about the upcoming Lord of the Rings-inspired series from Amazon Studios. Listen in as Tim, Bo, and Andrew speculate, riff, and reminisce about all things Tolkien while we anticipate the forthcoming TV series, 
So whether you're heading out for a night at the Prancing Pony, at home by the fire at Bag End, or gearing up to walk to Mount Doom, give Tolkien TV Talk a listen and find it at all places where podcasts can be found. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tolkien TV Talk and learn more at TolkienTVTalk.com. All right, man, we are back and we are back with the second half of the Crisis on Earth X crossover. Bell, what happened in the second half of Crisis on Earth X? In the concentration camp, the heroes are rescued from execution at the hands of Quentin Lance's Earth X counterpart, Sturmbaumfjörner, by Ray Terrell and Leo Leonard Snart's Earth X doppelganger. Thawm prepares to operate on both Overgirl and Kara, and Iris and Felicity work to rescue their friends at Star Labs, leading the latter to confront Dark Arrow. After they struggle with both Earth X's resistance fighters, led by General Wynn Scott, who deploys Earth X's Red Tornado as a failsafe, and the Nazi forces, the heroes eventually make it back to Earth 1 after hijacking the Nazi's dimensional projector at the cost of Stein being mortally wounded. Iris, Felicity, Kara, and the others are eventually rescued by the returned heroes and the legends. Stein eventually dies from his wounds upon using the serum that would separate Jefferson from his pain and his death spurns Green Arrow to declare war on Dark Arrow, Overgirl, and their forces. Jefferson leaves to tell Stein's family that Dr. Stein has died. When he meets Heatwave and learns of his counterpart's fate, Leo tells Heatwave that his Earth-X counterpart perished in the fires, making sure every police officer was out of the building. The Nazis attack Central City with the heroes countering the attack. During the fight with Supergirl, Overgirl experiences a chain reaction due to having too much solar radiation in her cells and ultimately explodes in space. Oliver kills Dark Arrow, knowing his doppelganger is too dangerous to remain alive. Barry spares Thawn, resuming the feud between them. After Stein's funeral, Kara and Alex return to Earth-38. Caitlin tells Stein at his grave to tell Ronnie that she misses him, and Leo decides to remain on Earth-1 for a while. John Diggle, an ordained minister, officiates Barry and Oliver's weddings with Iris and Felicity, respectively, at Central City Park. That is the wedding thing, right? That's that's how that goes. Uh that's part of it, you know, the the yeah. You know what? Given the way that wedding went down, I'm still putting it in here. Dun dun dun. I know, right? Because the way it sounded to me is that all four of them are now married together. No, I wasn't going to that route, but that's no. He said, "He said, Barry Oliver, do you take Iris Felicity? You know, blah blah blah." And it's like they all four just got married. <laughs> they're, they're, really in a, they're in a really big polygamous. Communal, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're in, they're in a communal marriage now. <laughs> wow. Uh, no, that was not why I was uh, dunning. It was because uh, you know, even 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 at Barry and Iris's wedding, it's got to be all about Elicity. Come on, DC TV. But that that's that, that's just like that's that that that's like asking someone. Uh, to to marry you at someone else's wedding like you know getting engaged at a wedding like that's just or getting or trying to get engaged at a rehearsal dinner yeah like that's just a social faux pas like she should know better i mean i I know felicity she doesn't care about marriage it's not her thing oh you should should still know that all right look here's the deal we're going to continue on with the theme that we did in the first half and that is that we are going to look at these two episodes specifically through the lens of our characters now this is kind of fun because in this episode especially we get to look at the uh lens through our characters but also through characters who haven't been our characters in a while maybe they've been some legends for a while Maybe they're about to be legends again. Maybe they're about to come over to Team Flash. Don't know. We'll be talking about it. Uh, but okay, where we last left our heroes, they are in a concentration camp. I mean, I think we we kind of failed to mention last time, but not only are the uh, heroes captured on Earth-X, but there are heroes back at home that are kind of locked into Star Labs. Yes, there's uh, the pipeline has finally been turned against our heroes, uh, and now they're stuck in it with no way to get out because, you know, 
except for except for one thing that bothered me here about that whole thing was that you know Cisco designed it so that your powers are useless inside the pipeline because that's the best way to you know keep these people right 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 and but somehow Barry managed to bust out well you know he's on a d- new power level I don't know that Cisco's had a chance to tweak it since he uh, Barry returned from the Speed Force okay so is that what we're going with sure why not. I mean, I don't know. It just seems like I will say this. I'm kind of surprised that Cisco didn't have a failsafe for if he ever got locked into the prison. Yeah, you can say something like Victor Echo November and then like all of a sudden the doors unlocked. Yeah, something like that. Do you do you remember? Uh, oh, man, this is kind of way out there. But uh, Halo 4, I want to say uh, they had this character that like invented the she was in charge of the Spartans. She invented all the AIs uh, and she was uh, and she was captured uh, and locked into a spaceship and they they thought they had her in prison, but then she's like, "Yeah, I developed this prison. I developed all the AI." And she just said something, and then she took control of the entire ship from her prison cell. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I kind of expected something like that from so Cisco. Was that Fall of Reach or was that Halo Four? No, I think I think it was. Um, I want to say it was Halo Four. I, I'm I'm pretty sure of that. But no, man, I, I really do. I think that uh, I th- I thought that Cisco was going to have some sort of countermeasures, but I mean, good on him. What was what was the line that Oliver said about the Kryptonite uh, arrow, like? Supergirl's like, why do you even have that? In case an evil you ever shows up. <laughs> so I guess the, I guess the argument, behold, an evil uh, Kara showed up. I guess the uh, the argument here is that Cisco is perhaps also planning for uh, the event eventuality of an evil him showing up. He has actually met an evil him in the in the past. That is true. So like adding in a safeguard, you know, when it's activated by you or someone that is effectively you. I mean, granted, you know, there could be, you know, special code words he could use. But yeah, you know, that's 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 a dangerous ground to walk. He really has, man. He's been benched this entire time because he he would play, you know, if if he was awake and alive and doing everything he needed to, he could probably clear up this mess pretty quick. But he he does kind of revive and 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 write the amount, you know, the the revive. (laughs) sorry i didn't mean to be real that it's all right uh but we do have uh iris and uh and uh uh, felicity crawling through the uh vents doing so in kind of mission impossible style die hard Um, style come on i i always associate vents with mission impossible then you've been watching the wrong movies Uh, clearly but uh yippee kaye they actually do make it all the way through and uh and it does look like everything's going down except for one thing and i was kind of surprised but Iris, like, they've got the guns pointed on them, and Iris is like, I'm just going to outrun the bullets. Did you notice that? Uh, yeah, no, I, I noticed a lot of ineptitude in the Nazis uh, in, in, in all of these episodes where it's like, you know, instead of them just shooting and killing people, they're like, freeze, or they stand there <laughs> like if, uh, for, for enough time for, you know, Iris to run over, pull a conduit out of a wall, and then freeze them. Uh, right. <laughs> you know <laughs> Well, you know, Earth X, it's very possible that warfare on Earth X uh, evolved kind of differently. You know, you think about, you know, how how uh, trench warfare completely redefined the way things were done. Maybe on Earth X, they were just used to kind of showing up and pointing guns and it was just it was over. You know, like, yeah, we, we, yeah we, so, yeah, because I mean, like, I, yeah, I, I could see that where the, the, they're used to, you know, going into a building and people are so scared that maybe they think that it, it's going to be better for them in the concentration camp than just dying outright right there. So maybe oh, a lot of soldiers yeah. are just kind of like, ah, you know, we'll give them a chance to surrender and then we'll kill them later. Yeah. Back over at Earth X in the concentration camp. So we've got a, a good uh, a good amount of our heroes are, are, are stranded there with the collars. Now, do they, I mean, was it ever explicitly stated that collars were kind of power dampeners of some sort? Uh, I, I, nah. we know they shocked them. 
So the, the the question that Sarah brought up is like you know, Flash is saying I can't vibe or I, I can't vibrate through them. They're saying you know I can't use right. my powers. Then right. Sarah was like, well, why do I have one on? And that's when it was revealed that they were shocking collars. Gotcha. As as well. Well, yeah. it, was, it was interesting. So they took him out to firing squad, and of course, right beforehand they had met uh, Ray. And you know, I actually with Ray kind of being there, standing in the in the in the prison camp, immediately I thought, oh no, he's a red shirt. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, here's all we need all of our main characters to assemble a line in a firing squad, and also this new guy that no one's ever met before. Yeah, right. That was my <laughs> that was my first thought was when I was like, I, I was actually watching it with a buddy of mine, and I turned to him and I said, "Oh, look, it's all the main characters and the one guy that no one's ever seen before. Guess who's gonna die?" <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But the thing is, they got us, man, because of course that was uh, a character that while has never been seen in live action, or at least not on Flash. Uh, has been debuted in uh, in this universe in the uh, form of an animated uh, uh, series. And of course, this is the Ray. Um, now, this was really kind of interesting because it, we now have two Rays, first of all. I, that's going to be somewhat confusing. I realized that as as our, our usual Ray popped up later on in the uh, in the series. But beyond that, Ray, if I'm not mistaken, is also the first ever character to go by his actual name uh, as, as, as opposed to actually having an alias. Well, he he calls himself the Ray. Yeah, okay, but I mean, like he's Luke Cage in it a little bit, right? Kind of. I mean, they they, they mock him about it. You know, they say your names in your superhero name. It's a cool power set. He's very light uh, driven. Um, you know, we we actually do get a chance to see him kind of flying through this kind of light kinesis. Do you know what the correct phraseology is for light based powers like that? Uh, so a generation of light and solid light constructs, like, like light constructs, it's so similar to, I guess, Green Lantern's ability, except for it's, you know, not willpower based. It's just, he can manipulate light. I mean, yeah, exactly. Um, actually the light, it reminded me a lot of kind of light power from DC universe online, except not tied to a lantern. Uh, but anyway, so he, he, he assembles in the firing squad, everybody, uh, and their grandmother thinks he's a red shirt until it is revealed that of course he is the Ray. Uh, and also a superpowered individual, apparently not from this Earth. He is actually from Earth One. Now, this was fascinating to me because, for one thing, he refers to it as Earth One. How would he know he's from Earth One? That's a good question. I don't know. Maybe that's one of those things where metahumans were this thing where people were like, what's a metahuman? Now, it was like, I know what metahumans are. Maybe the whole multiverse thing, it was one of those, like, oh, yeah, by the way, there's a mon- bunch of Earths. Yeah. And and we're the prime one. Yay, we're Earth One. But so see, everybody knows it. I don't know. Remember how Harry said when he first show, showed up, he was like, he's like, you realize to me, you're my Earth Two. Like, I'm Earth One to me. Remember how he was kept on making that argument? Yeah. And they dropped that whole bit. Like, they don't even worry about that anymore. Well, it could be. All right. So I'm going to, uh, here's, here's how I'm going to retroactively canon a, around it. Okay. So Harry, Harrison Wells, Harrison Wells of Earth Two, uh, has been doing more time uh, in, you know, uh, studying the multiverse. He has since kind of acquiesced to the fact that now that he is on Earth One, he's going to go ahead and refer to it as Earth One and thus categorized and kind of mapped everything out as that from their Earth being the centralized location. Therefore, he has been doing these studies. He's been blogging it out to other Earths. And so he's kind of the chief mind in the multiverse on the Earths. And so anybody with the concept or understanding of a multiverse, with any, which anybody from EarthX would have and know, uh, they would understand which Earth is which. And perhaps Ray was chilling out. Uh, and one day he gets the latest bling on a, on a blog update and he sees, oh, okay. Oh, Harrison. Okay, that's Earth One. Hey, I'm from Earth One. What are the odds? You know what I mean? <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's that's some good headcanon. We'll stick with that. I'll say this, man. When he was rescued, of course, uh, by none other than, and I mean, this needs all the fanfare in the world. Ladies and gentlemen, he is back. Well, at least his doppelganger is. Citizen Cold! I was so sad they never called him Citizen they Cold. They never called him Citizen Cold, man. I will say this, though. So they never called him Captain Cold. So it's still kind of on, you know, in play. He doesn't want to go by Leonard. He's going by Leo, which is a much cooler name. Uh, it is interesting seeing domestic uh, Captain Cold in the fact that this is a very different take on the character. He's he's much more like happy and smiling and and quipping. But I mean, he's always and been kind of quipping. opposite ing. <laughs> you know, he's like, I always have a plan down to the second and I, they never go wrong. <laughs> right. Exactly. So it's, it's very, uh, very unique uh, take on the character. But I knew immediately, man, like as soon as he rescued them and there was kind of this uh, uh, rapport between Leo and Ray, I was like, I got it. OK, well, I'm seeing some star crossed lovers situation in, in this one right here. Now, how did they meet? Because if for, so first off, how did Ray get on Earth X? I Secondly, how did they meet? I could be wrong, but if I'm not mistaken, that is the plot line of Ray's story, uh, which is available on the CW Seed. <laughs> so, oh, there we go. So, uh, yeah, that that's going to have the information there. But yeah, so uh, these two, obviously a couple. Um, like I said, very it's it's weird seeing Captain Cold in a domestic type situation. You know what I mean? Like he was very like even not not only that, but he was even like. Um, well, she doesn't like taking orders. Like, like he was very much like, I'm not the, I'm not giving orders. I'm taking orders. Like it's a complete different Captain Cold than anything that we've ever seen. Yeah. And it, it's sort of like you take the heroic twist that Captain Cold did on legends and then you strip out all of his like gruff demeanor and make him happy. And like, that's, that's He's what we so got. He's so happy. But that's the thing. The only thing that I, I really kind of bugs me about this is that they never actually called him Citizen Cold. Like I was, I was, you know, live tweeting for this particular episode and I was like, oh, he's such a model citizen. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, please flash riders. <laughs> like make him say Citizen know, right? Cold. Yeah. The glasses. Oh, dude, Doug, the glasses. Those are pretty awesome. That was, that was an excellent throwback there. Do you think they work? Do I think they work? Yeah. Like if you're wearing those glasses, can you actually see, or do you think it just looks cool for a prop? Well, I mean, the reason why they're designed like that is because Arctic Explorers actually wear sunglasses like that. Do they really? Yeah, because like it, the snow is white, and so it reflects light. It's a really blinding glare, and so those little slits just, you know, prevent a bunch of light from getting into your eyes and making and, – and like, you know, you can get snow blindness. Oh, it's man. It's a real thing. I never knew that was a thing. That's awesome. Yeah, just, just Google any, you know uh, – Antarctic Explorer and stuff like that. And you'll see these little, they got those slit glasses. That's where that comes from. Oh man. I'm so, I'm so glad he's back. Even if it is a doppelganger. I mean, I, I've complained before about, no, I want the original character. I don't want a doppelganger, but if they just call this dude, citizen cold, it's just going to make me so happy. I, you know, we've, we've heard of course that Wentworth Miller is, is, you know, is not long for the DC TV universe. So the fact that we get him a little bit longer, be it on legends or here, uh, I think is great. And actually I loved his, his rapport that he had with, uh, heat wave because you know like you almost got the sense that he misses his buddy like the heat wave of his earth like maybe they actually had a, a friendship there and he lost his heat wave in the same way that this heat wave or at least it, it, similarly to this heat wave losing his uh captain cold oh yeah i i i fully think they're going to explore that on legends I, and that's where i think he's going to head up is on or, or wind up maybe he'll do an episode on flash but i think he'll end up on legends and they're going to do stuff with that uh you know mick captain cold relationship i mean if he's a hero it does make more sense for him to be on legends but just just keep me posted, man. I just want to hear that they rename him Citizen Cold. That will just make me so happy. But he, we do have him as a resistance fighter with kind of this this band of folks that are actually operating out of the would-be Arrow Cave. 
in a very kind of wound up type of way. We got Wen from the Supergirl series who's leading them up and trying to make sure that no matter what happens, they're able to cut off the big three from getting back to their Earth. Now, back on our Earth, or Earth One, we get some tensions between the three power players. Um, for one thing, it's noted that H. Geobard, this is, you know, this is his lab, that he is actually the one that constructed it. What was hinted at in the episodes earlier is more solidly confirmed that this is the Eobard Thon that we dealt with in season one. Yeah, but I mean, that's what's crazy about it is like, just where? Like what? Oh where, no no no! Wh- I think I know where you're going with that, and don't go there yet. <laughs> I know, but like that's that's the thing that's on my mind. But yeah, it's 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 totally cool that he's there, and you know it's it's really interesting that he chose that face. But I'm and I'm I'm wondering if he took it from the uh, I'm thinking HG he, Wells he had of to, Earth X. Yeah, had to be had had to have been the Harrison Wells of, of Earth X. Um, but no, like he, he goes to the future room like this. He's, this is back, you know, he built this place. So he's, he's comfortable there. It's nice to actually hear him with his hair down to, so to speak, and kind of talk about, yeah, I I hated every minute of it and all this other stuff and kind of vent uh, his frustrations with, uh, his experiences from season one and everything that came before. But here's the thing, man. So, oh wait, actually I got to make mention of this Nazi Gideon. Yeah, that's right. They had the Nazi wave rider there too. Yeah. Nazi wave rider with Nazi freaking Gideon with, I guess a different voice. I think so. It didn't sound like the same voice. So tell me this, man, because of course, you know, over on Legends, you know, Legends of Tomorrow is as pulled characters from Arrow, as pulled characters from Flash. Did you get the sense? I mean, like, was was the idea that the Legends of their Earth got take like the Nazis took over their particular time traveling ship, or what was what was your sense of where that that ship actually came from? Well, it seemed to materialize out of nowhere, right? Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know. Just I, I feel like maybe they pulled it somewhere out of time. I don't know. That was one thing that was confusing to me because like I got the idea that they were making this super weapon that was just going to like destroy whatever. And then it turns out it's the wave rider and the Nazi wave rider. And I'm like, if there were already a wave rider that was a Nazi wave rider in that earth X universe, maybe it was trapped in time and they, they just couldn't get to it. I don't know. Interesting. Well, one way or the other, they, the Nazis did get a hold of it. By the way, Dr. Steve T is saying in the chat that, uh, the Nazi Gideon was actually played voiced by Oliver's mom. Which, oh, that's cool. If that's cool, man, you know about her, you know, she, she bad, she bad. <laughs> and if she, if she Nazi AI, she's super bad. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, man. That's crazy. Are you serious? What a deep cut, man. This this freaking Crisis on Earth X is one of the most brilliantly just get every single character, characters you hadn't even seen in like forever. Like, I mean, you know, we'll have to check with our friends at Supergirl TV Talk next time we get on mic with them. But I don't think we've seen Red Tornado in like a couple of years. Yeah, like it's it's season one, I think, right? Because yeah. that was that's the last time I saw it. And I, I stopped watching Supergirl after season one. And of course, this looks way better than the original kind of interpretation of the character. But holy, I mean, like that that was when when Red Tornado just appeared like, oh, something's coming for it. Is it a missile? No, it's something else. It's freaking Red Tornado. They got everybody. They got everybody. I wanted to just like, you know, if you know, I wanted to just take a picture of like action figures like all over the floor and, you know, be like, you know, uh, meme it up with, you know, DC TV writer's room right now. <laughs> Cause like, <laughs> that's literally what they did, man. They just dumped the toy chest all over the table and made this incredible monstrosity. And I don't mean that in a bad way at all. I just mean that it's, it's everywhere and, uh, and beautiful. It's gorgeous. And I, I guarantee that if there were other people available, like if the schedules had worked out better, that they would have gotten more people and more cameos in there. I can oh, guarantee. I'm sure, man. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you know, even when 
Diggle pops up at the very end. And I realize we're, we're jumping all over the place and that's because, you know, the, you know, anyway, the, 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 here's the deal. I realized, you know, when Diggle jumped in at the very end, he was just like, what, squashing a ball? And it was like, oh yeah, Diggle, where, where, where's Diggle through all this? Wasn't, I mean, I'm, I'm not watching Arrow, but I mean, isn't he, wasn't he like the green arrow he, for a while? Yeah. And I think he's getting indicted or something like that. I don't know. He doing what now? Didn't didn't Green Arrow get like arrested and he's gonna go to prison or something? I don't know. I don't know. See this this is why this is this is why these crossovers are a little rough to talk about if you're not like you know watching every single episode uh, or but, but not really show. though. I mean like I didn't feel like I missed out that much. No, you're right. You're right. It, it but it was surprising. Like there were characters that very much got benched throughout the entire series. Like so or, you know we mentioned Wally already. Wally was he was in that that first. A wedding fight scene and then he was kind of off to the side and it's kind of funny because why wouldn't wally be more of a power player here in terms of power level he's a speedster yeah he's way he's like way higher up than like 90 percent of the rest of the universe also you know the 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 arrowettes or whatever team arrows calling its backup uh, brigade uh they popped up for like two seconds at the end to make sure that the slow walking scene was was you know everybody the hero shot is what it's called yeah everybody who could be was but like, yeah, sidelines, uh, Diggle kind of sidelined up until, you know, he used his superpower of marriageability, I guess. And puking. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, well, you know, he does that. He does. He does <laughs> not a fan of super speed. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. So that was just, it was kind of, uh, it was kind of interesting that, that Diggle kind of got off to the side, but all right. So, but we do need to talk about this one character who, uh, has meant a lot to the flash uh, universe has meant even more to the universe of, of legends of tomorrow. And that is firestorm. Now I remember in the earliest days of season one, I was not a big fan of the firestorm story. Uh, I remember as it was coming out, I remember those episodes in particular were some of my least favorite episodes of the season. We would get on the podcast, we would talk about it. And I always had a hard time really kind of geeking out and getting excited about it because I'm just not that big of a firestorm fan. And even when we tried to launch Legends TV Talk, which you guys, which we failed, and then Bell, you and and your team over there have done an amazing job. But in that first season, one of the reasons it kind of fell apart is because I could not get behind Firestorm. I just did not like the character. I did not like the concept. I didn't understand, you know, why I should care. And also, it got frustrating that they weren't, you know. It seemed like if they just firestormed out, they could handle almost every single situation. <laughs> well, you know, we talk about that. It's, you know, one of those things where we always think about, okay, what's going to be the uh, event in this episode that prevents us from making firestorm because budgetary constraints. Well, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, but that's the thing, man. Sometimes all of the love and power in the world cannot stop the budgetary restraints that go straight through your heart. Um, <laughs> I got to tell you. So up until the moment when he got shot, I could care less about Martin Stein. Oh, you heartless no, monster. I know, like up until that moment. Hang on now. Hang on there. Let, let me let me tell you what happened here. Because then he got shot. And part of me is like, oh, good. All right. All right. Now, you know, it's, this is a good way for him to end. It's a hero's uh, conclusion to his story. It makes a lot of sense. But then, man, they just found every single string that was a tie to my heart. And they pulled it. And they kept pulling and they kept pulling and then you get those moments between him and Jackson and they're talking about like you know the father and the son relationship and everything else and like they're crying and I'm crying and then everybody's <laughs> crying and then all of a sudden the fact that they are taking firestorm form from me makes me feel like you know like this is the worst possible thing you could possibly do how dare you take firestorm from me and all of a sudden I was you know this huge fan of firestorm that I never realized that I was 
Yeah, you know, we've been we've known about uh, Victor Garber leaving Legends since pretty much before the 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 season started, and so you know we've been sitting there wondering, okay, so they, they had this like you know splitting them up plot line, and they they had some you know heart to heart moments as well as they kind of like you know struggle through that breakup period, if you will, and then you know this was the the culmination of all of that, and and it was it was beautifully done. Uh, if you weren't teary eyed after their exchange, then you don't have a heart. And <laughs> oh man! And then when when Jackson when we had to um to talk to to Stein's family and like you know yeah. it's it's that it's that classic soldier walking up to the house to tell the family that the father is is never coming home or the son is never coming home and the loved one is never coming home and it's just oh my gosh I mean it really it takes your heart out and rips it to pieces and that was tough. I mean, that was, that really engaged me in an emotional level that I could have never guessed. You, I mean, you could, man, Bell, if, if you had put money on the table and you told me next week, freaking Firestorm's going to die, Stein's going to die specifically, and you're going to care, I would think, nope, I'm not going to care in the slightest. And you would have won all my money. Well, the thing is, it's like, I, I didn't think they were going to kill him. The way they had been positioning it is that Stein wanted to go back to help raise his granddaughter, you know? Oh, yeah. And, and so... And the whole time I'm sitting there thinking, oh, well, yeah, I mean, they're going to split up and then they'll just write him off. He's going to go take care of the stuff. And so whatever, he's gone. Um, I didn't think they'd kill him. Like, that's a very permanent solution. And so, yeah, I I, I wouldn't have been able to, to tell you that he was going to die. I just I had no idea. And I was like, when he gets shot, I'm like, oh, oh, man. Yeah, I, I saw it while he's sitting there looking at the bar and it's like, they're going to kill Stein. I was like, they're going to kill Stein. I don't want to kill Stein. Well, and actually the scene where where, uh, where Jax takes the, the the elixir or whatever it was, I mean, it, it there was also kind of a, I mean, it kind of felt like assisted suicide. Yeah, yeah. I no, mean, it, did, it was, did you get that sense of it? The, the whole time I'm sitting there thinking he's going to throw it on the ground or Stein's going to throw it on the ground or whatever. Like somebody's going to come in and they're going to no, they're going to they're going to fix him and they're going to take him back and he's going to be crippled or whatever so they can never form Firestorm again. He's just going to live as a crippled person with his daughter and, and grandson and wife. But no. Yeah. And it, the whole time it's like, you know, he's like, I want you to do this. I want you to give me that serum so that you can live and so that I can die. And yeah, that's exactly what it was. It's like assisted suicide. Basically, he knew drinking that serum was going to kill him and it's the only thing that was going to save jackson and so that's why he did it i mean powerful i mean yeah. that's just what i'll say it's powerful it, i i cannot i still cannot believe that it engaged me so emotionally on the character i care the least emo- about <laughs> this entire universe but i did man so hats off to you writers that was brilliant uh, martin stein rest in peace it's going to be so hard to watch next week's legends I'm, I, you know what? I'm going to tune in. I am going to tune in to find out what happened. Honestly, y'all had me last time with that return of the Mac. I, I YouTubed that scene and that made me want to watch this entire se- season thus far. Right. I'm Ooh. telling you legends is the best show on television. Well, I'm not going to, how dare you on flash TV talk uh, <laughs> or, or ever. It's, it's, it's just embraced its ridiculousness in a way that is just perfect in absolute. Okay. So just embrace, embrace the ridiculousness and, and enjoy it for what it is. But yes, but that's that's why I'm so eager to see and not eager. I want to see it and I don't want to see it at the same time because I don't know how that emotional moment is going to fit in this zany universe they've created with <laughs> Legends. It's like it's going to be it's going to be right. really, really weird. Yeah. And so, well, maybe I mean, maybe that makes some sense, right? Like maybe maybe that's why this crisis crossover really exists is for all of these characters to experience something they may not otherwise experience. I mean, Supergirl, she exists very much in something as something of an island. I know that she's got a team over there. She's got Martian Manhunter. 
She's got her team, but for the most part, they don't have a Justice League. There's not as there's not a lot of collaboration between their team and others. Whereas on our side, there's a lot of collaboration that goes on all the time, especially between the Arrow and Flash universe with kind of uh, mentions of, oh, Cisco did this, or oh, I got this from Ollie, or Felicity did such and such. Like there's there's a lot of relationships behind the scene that don't exist for her. So having her out and connecting with other people is is huge for her character. And and for Barry, you know, he doesn't get the opportunity to to just kind of be like the power. You know what I mean? Like he's often making the call, often the wrong call. We'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> but but you know, in in this situation he really is just the power behind the throne so to speak. And Oliver, man, Oliver doesn't get a chance to be powerless cuz typically he is, you know, no matter what situation he's in, uh he can kind of handle handle his own. And not that he can't in this one, but you know, the moments where for example, you know, Supergirl and Flash drop him off and he has to tell them, "All right, just a reminder, I can't fly, I can't super speed, so now we're all going to slow walk." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, he has to ask everyone to kind of play on his level. That's a good power dynamic switch for him. And so, you know, when it comes to the Legends of Tomorrow, because they're, they are so goofy, they are so ridiculous, they can bring that fun to the rest of us, but they also have to live in this universe as well and experience pain and sorrow and darkness in a way that you can really only do with a, a splash of arrow, a dash of flash, and, uh, you know, even even a sprinkling of Supergirl. So so congratulations, man. I think this was a powerful moment for the Legends, and I look forward to seeing what, what comes from the team overall. We kind of became yep. Legends TV talk. We're supposed to stick with the Flash stuff, and so let me. Well, Firestorm was a Flash character at one point. So. Exactly. I mean, that and that it really is where where it all all comes uh, to a head. But all right. So in the end, uh, Barry and Iris, despite the fact that Elicity tried to show him up twice, uh, they do get married. And uh, congratulations to them. I love the fact that Diggle was actually the one that officiated the wedding. I still feel like he gave Barry you know, a freebie too early on with the whole daughter son situation, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, they are married. Now, before we end on this happy note, something happened. And that is during the big battle sequence where Flash versus Eobard Thawne, the true Eobard Thawne, uh, go at it. And Bell, this, uh, for, well, A, first of all, the battle ends, the fight ends with Barry making uh, another stupid decision. And it's one of those things that's very much in his character, but annoying. He just let him go. I mean, I, I guess he's just thinking that, Where's he going to put him? No, there's no, but they, they, they got Argus a, can't hold him. They got a thing for he, him. He, he built star labs. Yeah, that's a good point. But, but even still, like you don't just like let him go like, Oh, well I beat you. So get out of here. Like, no, come on, man. Like nobody thinks that was a good idea. Right. I, I thought he was going to like vibrate his hand into his thigh and like break his femur or something like that. So at least, you know, he'd be slowed down. Dang, that'd be dark. Uh, here's the deal. Even even the writers, who, by the way, did a masterful job of of juggling a lot of balls, like way more balls than anybody else has had to juggle in the DC universe. Like they did a fantastic job. I bet even they, when it came down to, well, we want to keep Eobard around. What do we do? Well, we can have Barry just let him go. I'm sure like half the room was like, what? That's stupid. Barry would never do that. And the other half was like, have you watched this show? <laughs> like, that's exactly what this Barry would do. He's terrible at making these kind of decisions. It's totally in his character. And that's what he did. Come on, Barry. Don't they have a speed force prison? Couldn't he put him in there? Uh, that never, that never, that never goes out well. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So anyway, regardless, Eobard Thawne, OG Eobard is back in action. And that's going to bring us to this week's Speedster Speculation. 
bell. Where the heck is this Eobard even from? Because like, I got to tell you, man, I was sitting there trying to do the math. And I mean, I, I quickly threw it out of my mind because I just wanted to enjoy this thing and not have to try to think it to death. But seriously, where? where? Well, Bo. Yeah. The question is not where, uh? but when Ooh. is this Eobard from? So he kind of threw it out there, right? He's like, oh, did you watch me die? Because time travel. Like, was he just being a, you know, jackass or, or what, 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 what do you think is? I'm, I'm going to well, throw it to you. I want to hear what you think. Okay, so we've seen him get removed from existence once, and he came back on Legends uh, as a uh, it wasn't a time remnant per se, but it was like an ab- not not an aberration thing. He was he was there, and Will back me up on this, but but he was uh, I, I think maybe he was an aberration. I think that's what it was. So that's what that, the Black Flash chasing familiar. after. Him. Yeah, that does seem yeah. familiar. And so what it wasn't it wasn't like a uh, it, it wasn't you know a. a uh, time remnant or anything like that. He, he, he was, he was, a uh, an actual aberration that was being chased by the black flash, black flash caught him and removed him. So I have to think that there's gotta be another time period in which he has fought Barry died. And before he came back in legends, maybe he went and did this stuff here. Interesting. All right. That's a good theory. So you think, you think this is a version of the flash or a reverse flash that exists before. Uh, you, you, so you think, all right. So the, the way that I always saw the um, flash or the reverse flash that you guys got over on legends was that was the one that kind of skewed off because he was from the uh, flashpoint. Uh, uh, that was, that was his origin story was from flashpoint. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I've always kind of seen that as, as a reverse flash that skewed off from the, uh, you know, reverse flash prime, thus why the black flash would even be after him in the first place. But are you saying that this is perhaps that, uh, that specific skewed off reverse flash just earlier in the timeline than what came in legends earlier in his personal timeline than what came in legends? Maybe. I, I I mean, so because you, your OG Eobard, which died at the end of season one, uh, and then you have the Flashpoint Eobard, which dies at the end of Legend season two. Because um, Flashpoint you, Eobard never experienced what OG Eobard did, which this one clearly experienced what OG Eobard did. And by OG, we mean HG Eobard as we referred to him in the season one. You know. Okay, so we got to remember that OG Eobard, which I think pretty cool. We That'll work. Yeah, we, we'll call yeah. it. So H Geobard yeah. from henceforward will be known as O Geobard. Yeah. So O Geobard is season one H Geobard. Mm-hmm. Then you got Flashpoint Geobard. So, so that's the difference. Yes. Yeah, so, so O Geobard was in the future, did all these things. Maybe that's when he fought Superman. I don't know. I don't. Oh, that happens. Because. Dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think uh, O Geobard is from the future. Uh-huh. Comes back. Does the uh well then that ah, it couldn't be it couldn't be a flashpoint then it couldn't be the it couldn't be the flashpoint flash yeah, yeah there is absolutely no way this could be the flashpoint reverse flash there's no way this is flashpoint eobard OG eobard and flashpoint eobard are completely different flashpoint eobard skewed off from OG but he is not OG in yes. fact he skewed off from an earlier point in OG's timeline because OG like flashpoint eobard exists from a point in time before season one. Like that's when he skewed off. So he would not have built the uh, uh, particle accelerator, the particle accelerator. He wouldn't have had all that, the lab and everything else. This, this, my friend is despite the fact that the description that you read earlier says that this one was thought to be dead because of the black flash. No, 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 no. This hold on. 
Gooner in the chat says that they clearly stated that he experienced season one flash. Yeah, exactly. This one right here is Ojiabard. This is somebody, this is the, the flash that this is the reverse flash that we last saw at the end of season one. So no, here, no, no. what I'm saying is, is, is that the legends Eobard experienced flash season one. All right. You're going to have to find the, uh, the, the, the proof for that one. Cause I'm going based off of what I know from flash. And so what I know from flash and so we'll, we'll like there's I'm talking about two different Eobards. I'm talking about OG Eobard and Flashpoint Eobard. If, if what you're saying is legends, uh, Eobard is not Flashpoint Eobard. I'll let y'all have hash out that conversation over on legends. Keep, keep in lane here. So what I'm saying okay. to you is that this guy right here is definitely the Eobard from season one. He is the OG Eobard. I'm saying that at the point, because one thing we know for sure is that he put on an, a fresh face. So he was the Matt Lester actor. And then he found the Harrison uh, Wells of Earth X and stole his DNA. And so the idea here is that we saw at the end of season one, once Eddie killed himself, instead of got a vasectomy, once Eddie killed himself, Harrison Wells, quote unquote, Harrison Wells, OG Abard, started reverting back to his original state and then evaporating into the time. So what I'm saying is that this one is the uh, recontextualization of whatever it was that that one turned into. I've been arguing since season two that the ghost of Eobarthon was out there. Maybe it was. Maybe he reformed himself in the reverse, uh, in the negative speed force. Maybe he got pulled in like some sort of particle way into Earth X because these uh, Nazi villains needed a speedster of their own. Who knows? But regardless. That's what I'm saying is he went straight from the end of season one into Earth X, where he has been part of this Nazi re Nazi regime ever since building himself up, fighting his way through the system, basically owning this Earth, which we know from uh, other series that he does like the concept of owning his own Earth. And now he's back in business in the present, no longer tied to what happens in the future and everything. He can now exist completely power, uh, empowered to do whatever he needs to on Earth one at the end of this crisis. Or yeah, see I'm wondering if maybe Flashpoint had something to do with it where you know it's in the 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 post Flashpoint timeline there's there's still a, an eventuality that Thawne can exist and so maybe like Thawne just wakes up in the Speed Force and like ah escapes from the Speed Force on Earth X like you said and then like you know builds his way up. But something something it, it would make sense to me for them to explain it away with Flashpoint because Flashpoint did so much weird stuff that we don't really know about. And it's kind of the same, but it's kind of different. And so I'm wondering if that's the the the, the thing that caused H.G. Abard, uh, O.G. Abard to come back was that something in Flashpoint happened to cause him. Uh, Ooh, interesting. OK. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, that, that's that's kind of what I'm it's thinking. Like, so it's we, like Enzo. Enzo from reboot. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like because Flashpoint rebooted the system. Like the timeline's like, oh, we need an Eobard in this. And now we got another Eobard, except Enzo didn't have the, well, it doesn't matter. It's not a one for one, but yes, like that. So yeah. So I'm thinking it's something like that where Flashpoint messed up stuff so bad that even Eddie's death couldn't prevent Thawne. Interesting. And, and so we have, you know, the, the, the same OG Eobard is now randomly back and maybe he himself figures out how to escape from the speed force and arrives on earth X. Here's what I want. Here's what I want. Somebody. Look, we 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 know y'all are out there listening. We know we know there's a lot of you guys that tune in and 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 uh guys and gals from around the globe that enjoy this podcast and and we really appreciate you for listening. 
what what's the old thing? Like we're all like like five degrees away from anybody in the world or something like that. Six degrees of separation from six, Kevin Bacon. Six degrees. If we're all six degrees away from Kevin Bacon, that means we are got to be less degrees away from a writer on the show. We just need one person to be in the writer's room so that when it's their time to tell a story, they use their opportunity to clear all this up. There's going to need to be some retconning because, I mean, the reality is, is that, you know, different writers have different thoughts on time travel. They're going to bring their own unique experience and what they remember from seeing on Legends and Flash and everything. It's convoluted. Like, that's just the reality. It is convoluted. But all it takes is that one person to tell the story that fixes everything. It fixes everything. That's not going to happen. That's impossible. Yeah, no, it's not impossible. Right. Like, but all they have to do is just say Flashpoint. And like, I kind of like it that way. They can just say, uh, you know, no, I need some it, clarification. It's, it's like that, that, you know, that gif on the internet, that little troll guy from the D&D cartoon. <laughs> he's got the little rainbow and it's like, it's magic. I got to explain bleep. Well, it's Flashpoint. I got to explain bleep. <laughs> and then there we go. Right. Like, that's 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 what it is. It's and like the, it's the Speed Force I, uh, meme, the alien Speed Force meme. Yeah, and if we if we were to to try and go and take four seasons of Flash, six seasons of Arrow, three seasons of Legends of Tomorrow, uh, not necessarily Supergirl because she hasn't really been intertwined too much, mm. and try to go back and like fix all of those timelines and stuff, I it, it that's a daunting task. I know. I'm not going to spend the money doing. I just need one person, one person to care. I just don't think they could. I just want one person to care as much as I do. We'll see what ends up happening. Well, you do it, Bo. That's what I'm saying. You watch all the episodes again, write down all the notes, go in there, take down every time they mention time travel or timelines or anything, chart it, and let, let's have your own Barry Allen board that's right, behind right, a right. roll-up map. You know what? You know what, Bell? I tell you what. Maybe during the hiatus. Maybe during the hiatus. We might make that a stretch goal for 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 the Patreon campaign. Because if we get a... Like, because if I, I, after this season, I don't, I like, it would take a lot of time and a lot of energy to like, like map all this stuff out, but I will make the whiteboard. I will make the sticky notes. I will put, I will track all of the Eobards out there to try to unwind what this, what this is and propose some solutions, but that's going to take then, a lot of time. So it might have to be a stretch Patreon goal, <laughs> patreon.com slash flash TV talk, or I'm sorry, patreon.com slash TV talk. Yeah, and then I'm going to be there, and I'm going to be like, where's Bo? Why hasn't he been answering the Skype calls for our podcast? I'm going to go back to Jackson. You're going to be in a padded cell with like a giant beard and like all these red strings on the wall, and you're going to be like, what year is it? And- <laughs> <laughs> That's why I got to get paid to do it, man. If I'm going to lose my mind, it's got to be it's got to be worth it. Hey, this is Patrick Sabongi, and you're listening to Flash TV Talk. <laughs> That's the sound of the police in my hood. <laughs> all right, man. <laughs> All right, man, listener feedback this week. We got some great listener feedback. Let's run through this. Uh, Miguel actually sent in something like right before we started recording. What did Miguel have to say? Well, they wrote, watching Flash vs. Thawne and Crisis on Earth X left me asking a question. Is Flash still as fast as the moment he was uh, rescued from the Speed Force? I remember Cisco commenting no one had been that fast, Mm. but I could be wrong. That's a great question. Uh, I think he is. Yeah, I, I, I don't think we've been given any indication to let us know that like that's expelled. But at the same time, I could see an argument being made for it. But um, one way or the other, there's a lot going on in this particular crossover. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. That's that's a good question, Miguel. It might be a future speedster speculation. We also got an iTunes review in from uh, Nick Nick 2015. What did Nick Nick have to say? Good for comic book and TV flash fans. I'm a longtime listener, but also a procrastinator. So first time reviewer. 
These guys have got me through a lot of long car rides and errands. I enjoy the in-depth analysis and speech or speculation, which I then use to discuss theories with others. I've also been known to play parts of the episode for friends to see their eyes glaze over during the time travel discussion. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for always bringing a smile, guys. <laughs> that sounds that's about right. That's about right. Always bringing a smile or a glazed over look, which probably some of y'all just experienced in us trying to talk about Eobard. Uh, but Maybe. hey, look, we really appreciate that feedback. Those iTunes reviews in particular are a great way to, to show some love and support for the show. Uh, look, we, we are uh, gearing up here to the end of the first half of the season, and it has already been just a blast. So we really appreciate everybody who's been tuning in every single week. And if you're able to write those reviews, it's a great holiday gift to us. So love to, to see that support there. Um, yeah, head over to iTunes and do it. Also, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow uh, the show at Flash TV Talk or our personal accounts. I'm at the Real Bo York or Bell at Ring That Bell. And if 280 characters isn't enough to express your love for our show, you can email us at flash at podastery.com. That's P-O-D-A-S-T-E-R-Y.com. And for the latest news and daily discussions on all things Flash, be sure to like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Flash TV Talk. And as always, special thanks to Charlie Bach for providing our outro music. You can check out the rest of his awesome stuff at soundcloud.com slash Charlie Bach. But be sure to to join us over at dctvtalk.com where we are part of the DCTV Talk Network. Everything that you could possibly want in the form of DC and TV and talking. Check it out, dctvtalk.com. Also mentioned on the podcast here and during our little interlude, that's right, a new TV Talk property is coming into the works, Tolkien TV Talk takes us out of this universe and into one in the middle of the earth. That's right. Tolkien TV Talk is the place to go for the upcoming TV Talk podcast related to the upcoming Tolkien Lord of the Rings inspired series. Learn more at TolkienTVTalk.com. Man, it's been a super long episode to go along with a super long crossover, and I think it's been worth every minute. And so until next week, we'll be back in a flash.